Good afternoon. Welcome. I am Dr. Jill Brooks, Director of Education for First Healthcare Compliance. Here at First Healthcare Compliance, we're focused on helping healthcare providers around the country save time and money while reducing their compliance risks with our single source solution. Each month, we bring different experts in the field to discuss a variety of topics relevant to healthcare practices. Today, we are so pleased to have Dr. Lonnie Nelson Zlupko discussing effective communication in the workplace. She has over 20 years of experience as a professional therapist, a researcher, and a consultant. Dr. Nelson Zlupko earned her master's degree in social work and her doctorate in social policy and practice. She's an adjunct professor at the University of Pennsylvania, teaching doctoral students and assisting on national and regional research projects. She also maintains her own outpatient practice here in Wilmington, Delaware. Recently, Dr. Nelson Zlepko was asked to do a TEDx talk on moving forward. This will be available on YouTube in early September. Lonnie? Thank you. Good afternoon. We have an opportunity today to talk about effective communication. What we're going to talk about is why it's so important to be able to communicate effectively and calmly, the impact it'll have on you and, and importantly, the impact it'll have on other people. I like to begin um, by pointing out that healthy communication is really a cornerstone of professionalism. If we're able to remain calm and say things in effective ways, we're going to stay the professional we want to be. I can't guarantee you that everyone around you is going to stay the professional you want them to be, um, by, but by you being effective, calm, clear, and direct, you're going to be much more effective and impactful, and you might have an influence on how your clients and coworkers communicate back with you. There are at least three important stages to communication, and most people pay attention to the first. They really focus on what they say. They spend a lot of time thinking about what is it I want to say to that other person, and they might even craft it carefully before they open their mouth. Not everybody, not everybody pays attention to what they say, but most people do. A lot of people also pay attention to how they say what they say. They, they want to have a calm tone or they want to be friendly or polite or respectful, and that's important. But most people pay a lot less attention to the receptivity of the listener. And this is going to be one of the key hallmarks we'll be talking about today. We're going to talk about what we say being effective, but also how you say it. And probably most importantly, is your listener ready to hear it? How can you increase their readiness? How can you invite their readiness so they want to hear what you have to say? Probably goes without saying that timing matters. Being able to wait for that right time is key. So you'll, you'll hear uh, implications of filter and so on being important. I want you to take a look at this slide. Communication, before we open our mouths, I often say to my clients, before you opened your mouth, what was your goal? What is your goal before you're about to say something? I want you to think about the last conversation that you had that did not go well. Nine times out of 10, our goal is the one of the first three buttons. When it's a vent, we want to be right, right? Or we want to persuade or convince. One of the rules of psychology is that if you're communicating in one of those first three button bullet points there, they are going to not listen to what you have to say. You could be saying, I'm giving you gold. I have gold for you. But if you're saying it because you're right and you want to control or persuade, 
rule of psychology, they're going to back up and say, I don't want your gold, right? So one of the key communication goals, before we open our mouths, we want to stop and pause and make our goal to build rapport, to join with the other person in order, why I always say, in order to solve a problem or in order to move that ball down the football field. So our goal, when we open our mouths, you want to check yourself a little bit. Was my goal to build rapport and, and increase understanding, or was I trying to be right? And what happened in that moment? Now let's take a look at our style. All right, so that first bullet point is one of the most common communication styles that people use. Now, by the way, people never call themselves aggressive and urgent. They just call themselves right, <laughs> right, or efficient. I was in a hurry, and I'm right. When we come across with urgency in our tone, people hear bullying. And it doesn't matter what we're saying because bullying's coming across and they're going to feel, I'm making up a word here, agendized. They're going to feel that you have an agenda and they're going to feel disrespected. So I have a lot of, most of my clients are type A people who are goal oriented. They like their goals. They like feeling right. And they come across extremely aggressive and urgent. I'm going to talk in a minute about how to correct that. Another style that causes a lot of trouble is emotional style. These are people who say, you know what you get with me. I call it like it is. I put it out there. Um, I might cry if I'm upset or get angry and you're going to hear it in my tone. I'm emotional. The deal with the emotional style is rather than being effective, it's manipulative. So you will get a response. People will be afraid of you or do what you say, but it's not because you have their buy-in and they won't follow through. You'll have to keep being emotional. In fact, you'll have to get more emotional each time, right? You'll have to go to the crazy chain or be completely angry and out of control. A lot of my clients will say, nobody hears me unless I'm screaming or crying. <laughs> That's not effective enough. Let's look at the next one. This is the most common workplace communication style, and this is the yes style. We're just appeasing everyone, saying yes, because we're afraid of how to be effective, firm, and clear. And so we're appeasing people or we're avoiding hard topics. Do you know what, what happens? I, I come in, for example, to do consultation in a workplace, and the same problem that I see existing exists year after year after year because of avoidant appeasing communication style. It's not professional. More to the productive types of styles would be a direct, clear style proactive, assertive, partnering, and solving. Direct and clear is when we say what needs to be said in as few words as possible. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more later about how to be unemotional and non-persecutorial and non-apologetic about it. Just direct and clear. Let the words speak for themselves. Proactive is when we're going to take on an issue before it becomes a disaster. We move towards it saying something like, you and I are going to be glad we have this conversation, or I want to raise an issue with you because it might become a problem, and I think you'll be glad we had the conversation prior. So we're gaining buy-in proactively. See the word assertive there. I want to point out most of my clients who are super nice think that assertive is aggressive. Picture three buckets sitting on a table. The bucket over to one side is nice. Nice is ineffective. It doesn't get the job done. Picture all the way, the bucket all the way to the other side is aggressive. That's mean. That's when we go out of our way to insult someone. Assertive is right in the middle. It's firm. It's fair. It's when we say what has to be said because it's what's best 
for everyone. So I'm just pointing out that assertive isn't mean or cruel, but it feels that way if you're super nice or super squishy. Partnering solving. This is when we lead into a communication because why? To control, to be right, or is it to partner with someone to solve a problem? I am aware that some people are easier to partner with than others, and you probably do a great job communicating with people who are easy to partner with. But these skills you're going to hear in a minute have to do with how we partner with people who are hard to partner with. Quick assumptions. Let's take a look at why we aren't effective. Here's some negative assumptions. We don't say direct, important, critical pieces of feedback because we assume it won't go well. We picture the blow-ups and disasters. And you know why we picture them? Because we've had them. All right. So what I'm what I say here is I don't want you to fire your ability or attempt or desire to want to have a conversation. I want you to fire the strategy you were using when it went badly. Another negative assumption is they are not going to want to hear it. What I have to say to that is they might not feel like they want to hear it at the moment. But once you get past that moment, they do want to hear what you have to say if it's moving a ball down the football field. They do need to hear feedback. All of us can think of times we're grateful that somebody took the time to give us feedback that we needed to grow. Did we love it in the moment? No. But I often say they'll thank us later if we're staying professional, respectful, and if our goal is to collaborate, join, and to solve a problem. True, maybe we don't know how to say it well, and maybe that's the problem, but I often say here we are going to find a way to say it. And then a lot of people assume maybe I should just not say anything at all if I'm going to wreck it. I like for people to be more experimental, but let's talk about the assumptions we'll need and then the skills we're going to need to do it effectively. So here are the, here's the mindset we're going to want to be able to use the skills I'm going to cover. Number one, let's assume it's going to go well. Let's assume nobody dies. <laughs> At the very least, nobody dies because we have a, a conversation. Let's be brave. Let's assume that that listener needs and wants it. And I would add to this, and is going to thank us later. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Let's assume you can find a way to say it really well, even if what you have to say is difficult or sensitive um, or critical. And lastly, we want to assume that it is better to address things proactively for everyone's sake. All right, you're ready to talk about some tips. This is where it gets exciting and fun for me. These are the strategies that are proven in behavioral research to lead to good conversations with difficult people or challenging people. They also work for all kinds of normal people as well. Tip one, actually, very first thing I always recommend people do is pause. When someone asks you a question or you're about to head into a difficult moment, pause what you're going to say, team it or loop it, and then polish it. Pause what you're going to say. You're going to be more proud of what you say if you pause for a second. What do I mean by team it or loop it? What I'm saying here is check it by a protocol. Is this accurate? Is it appropriate? Is it on par, if we tapped you out and tapped somebody else in, would they also say it? In certain cases, if you're dealing with a client before you promise anything, you might want to literally team it. Wait till you have a team meeting. If this is a, a work life, home life issue, you might want to pause and wait till you've had a time to talk through the whole family about it or to your partner or at least run it by the calendar. So team it can be run it by your team, run it by yourself, run it by a protocol, procedure or even a calendar before 
you polish it. Right here, what we're doing is not being hijacked into saying something we regret. We're not being manipulated in case someone else is being super urgent or flammable. We're going to pause it. And the way, what this sounds like is, let me think this through, or you'll hear from me in a second, or I'd like to consider this, or I'll let you know tomorrow. Just pause it until you've had time to run it through some other procedure before you deliver it, ideally in a polished way. Tip two, especially at work, (laughs) but it also helps at home. If we stick to words that are hard to argue with, we want to use words like goals. What are the procedures? What are the expectations? What is needed here versus emotional words or very personal pointed words or gossipy words or personal information. The conversation goes much better if, for example, someone says, why didn't you get that report to me? How come it isn't here? You messed it up last week. We can say, when would you like it? I'll have it to you blank. We don't need to go into the he said, she said, and all the emotions. We're going to be clean. Here is when it'll get to you. Similarly at home, why is that towel on the floor? Who left the dishes in the sink? Blah, blah, blah. We can stick to the towel should be hung up. Thank you. Or dishes really close to the dishwasher. Thank you. Keep it clean. This next tip is the hamburger, right? I call it, are we using the hamburger? The hamburger allows us, this approach allows us to have great relationships. That's the bun with people, great relationships while discussing really sensitive, um, difficult uh, topics, which would be the meat or the lettuce or the tomato. So it goes something like this. I enter my conversation with an acknowledgement. So the first bun is an acknowledgement of a relationship. Hi, how are you? or it's good to see you, or how was your weekend? Um, Some kind of an I'm human, you're human, I acknowledge your presence. What's going to happen, by the way, if I hop right into the meat and I don't develop that relationship? People feel controlled and they're already defensive and their receptivity goes down. So if you're a super urgent type A person, take a minute to build the bun in your email or in your verbal communications, even at home when your little humans come through the door, take a minute to acknowledge the human that came through the door. Hi, how are you? Then turn to, is it time to do blank, blank, blank? All right, let's talk about the meat. The meat just is. So we might say something like, hi, it's good to see you. I'd like to talk with you about blank. Is this a good time? or it's important that we do. And now we stick to the meat. What is the it? This is where it is. This is where I wish it were, or where it needs to be. Do you hear what I'm saying, or do you understand what I'm saying, or does that work from your mindset? Is that how you understand it? What were you thinking needed to happen? How do we get there? Thanks for taking care of that. So the bun then is, thanks so much. I'm glad you heard this, or let's keep working on this. Have a great weekend. Say hi to your sister, whatever that squishy bun needs to be. So in building the relationship around the meat, you're going to have a much more smooth journey as you go ahead and talk about difficult things. I want to point out here that we are able to talk about all kinds of very heated topics well if we deliver this hamburger bun technique, if we're able to build the relationship You can't see me right now, but when I have a hamburger bun conversation, when I'm doing bun talk, 
I'm sort of looking right at the person. When I go to talk about the meat or the lettuce or the tricky issue, I might even point to a piece of paper because that issue is just the issue. All right, let's move on to the next tip. I call it the invite. And you heard me do it in the bun. If you can invite someone into a conversation before inserting the conversation on them, you are going to, again, increase their openness and receptivity. So, for example, I'd like to talk with you about how things went last week. Is this a good time? Or I'd like to talk with you about how the report turned out. Are you willing to have that now? If we don't take the time to invite them, again, they're going to feel controlled and already defensive about the topic we want to explore. What's really fascinating to me is when I invite someone into a critical conversation about them, they're already more open. They're actually agreeing for me to give them critical feedback. So for example, I really want to talk to you about that conversation yesterday. Is this a good time? And they go, sure. Now they're participating willingly in hearing what I have to say about that conversation. You'd be surprised. Very few people say no. If they do, that's all the more reason to honor timing and say, well, tell you what, maybe today isn't the best time. Tell me when a time we can. Or, well, what we need to do is have that conversation before Friday when we meet with the clients. Please find a time with your admin to get on my calendar and let's take care of it before then. Or I'm thanking you in advance for finding a time when we can. Now, I'm going to go ahead and add another skill here. It isn't there, but I'm going to increase their desire to do it after my invite by saying, I'm pretty sure we're going to be glad we had the conversation. Or I predict that it's going to be a productive conversation. Now what I've done is I've choreographed the expectation that we're all going to be normal, happy, and calm on the other side of it. And that is very, very influential uh, when we're heading into a difficult topic. Um, this tip, by the way, you may have caught my tone. I try to remain fairly respectful. We could do everything we're doing with a snarky tone and really lose everyone. Like, I'd like to talk with you. Does that work for you? You know, we, we could throw a nasty tone just about any one of these and train wreck it. So <laughs> our tone it sort of goes without saying our tone needs to be really respectful for the other person. We need to find something in that other person that we respect. Just a quick sidebar, but it's important here. If I enter any conversation or relationship with the psychological posture that I'm okay and they're not okay, it's called I'm okay, you're not okay, they pick up on it and they will resist everything I have to say. I, my price of admission into a conversation or relationship with someone is that I enter that moment on the I'm okay, you're okay psychological stance. I'm not saying I'm perfect, you're perfect. I'm not saying I'm okay and I love everything about you. I'm just saying in general, I'm a human and so are you. And I come into it with that approach. Any other approach and we're going we're gonna to train wreck whatever follows. All right, let's go to tip five. I love this particular saying and it's helped me multiple times. It's called, what's the it? Find the it, focus on the it. There's always an it in any blow up conversation. What was the it? Talk about the it and focus on the it. When you engage a coworker or someone at home or a client, what is the it? We want to be egoless here. 
It doesn't matter what I want, you want necessarily. What is the it that needs to get done? So at work, instead of saying, I really need you to do this, or can you help me? I really am hoping, blah, 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 blah. What we'll say is, this needs to get done. Thanks so much for doing it. Or this really needs improving. I appreciate your eyes on it. Or Whoop, this requires the following. Which part of it are you on? Which part do you want me to take? Similarly at home, instead of on and on and on about homework or who is doing more chores, it's we need to get out the door by five. Who's doing what? Or these dishes need to get done. Or this homework needs to get done. Thanks for doing it. We can be clean and clear if we stop persecuting all the personal stuff and just focus on moving the it forward. All right. You know, in neuroscience, we've learned a lot about how the brain finds and focuses on the negative. You, you could have a great day and one bad thing happen, and guess what? Your brain lasers in on that negative thing. You could have 10 great conversations, one that didn't go well. Where did your brain go and imprint? And what do you take home with you at the end of the day? The negative. We tend to talk about the negative, notice the negative, and blow it up in our minds, partly because of the way the brain is designed. It's really important if you need to have improvement conversations with people that you have enough cash in the bank to have that conversation. And the way to have cash in the bank to talk about something that needs improving is to be praising the stuff that's going well. If you don't have enough cash in the bank, it's going to feel tipped and people will call you out on being negative or harping or persecuting. And so we want to develop positive cash in the bank. And what do we do? I just say drop positive notes and praise. Catch people being good. Just walk around the office sort of noticing good things happening. Train your brain to find, focus on, and feel the positive. Build that cash in the bank. By the way, that's an emotional tool, not the topic of today, but a way to feel better emotionally. Find, focus on, and feel the positive. We'll mention it from a communication point. Praise people so that when it is time to talk about an improvement area, you've got that ability to do it. One thing that some people do is they actually... Um, drop positives before they go ahead and talk about a critical improvement area. I want to begin by telling you all the great things that are happening, and then I want to talk about something I want to improve. By the way, did you catch the way I said want to improve? Not something that's gone disastrously wrong. Everything can be improved. So we want to talk about improvement. You'll see that in this next slide. Coach it forward. Focus on where you're going. Talk with people about what you want to see them do forward. When we engage in a conversation focused on what went wrong, our energy feels bad and we get stuck. People get defensive and, they, and, and we are not productive. Try to picture what is it you want to see. Coach it forward and it sounds like this. Hey, this is what I'm really hoping gets done or this is what needs to get done. Hey, you, you in particular are well suited to do it or I'm really thanking you for doing it. Let me know how it goes. All right, so what we're doing is focusing our energy forward, and we're actually pre-appreciating it. You know, when we pre-thank someone, it's very hard for them not to go ahead and do it. Tip eight, a lot of people agree to do something, and they don't follow through. What percentage of the time do you think most people do what they say they're going to do when they say they're going to do it? Turns out it's about 15%. 
That's the percentage of time people will do what they said they were going to do when they said they were going to do it. Do you want to be frustrated and exasperated 85% of your working life or home life? I don't recommend that. Try not to drop frustrated. Most people sort of agree on a goal, and when it's not done, they drop crazy or frustrated or angry, or they rescue it. And they're like, I'll just do it myself. That's level one. We need to be able to stay in it and remind tactfully. You can call it nagging. I call it gentle reminder. And we're still walking, and I still need that, and thank you for doing it. I might add humor. Oh, my gosh. It's not done. I thought it would be done. Help me out here. You know, we can add five, six, seven, 13, 25 different pleasant ways to keep reminding and persisting. That's our job as a leader is to help make sure it gets done. Watch the frustrated tone and watch rescuing. Take a look at what the average brain is capable of before eight. When something isn't to our liking, anybody under the age of eight is in the top four circles. That child will complain. They'll fixate on what they want, and they wait for an adult to bring it to them. My soup's too hot. I need a spoon. Give me a spoon. They'll start freaking out. Heaven forbid you bring them an ice cube. They don't understand. They don't have abject, ab, um, abstract reasoning yet. But after the age of eight, our brain is capable, when we're upset or stuck, of considering multiple ways to get there. And most importantly, collaborating with other people in order to what? Solve the problem. Watch how many times you notice that you're stuck in that first zone and you're waiting for someone to fix it for you and you're blaming them because they didn't read your mind or they, I don't know, they woke up with their own goals on their minds. Not They didn't wake up sort of figuring out how do I make your day better. You can either be frustrated and fixated like a child over that or you can step up, take an eye at what you want to make happen, collaborate, cooperate, and choreograph and get it done. I always say, if it's what I want, I'll find a way to make it happen. My last tip here is get on the arrow. The arrow is about improving. The, the arrows pointing up and down are all about right, wrong. She's right, he's wrong. Uh, this is acceptable, it's not acceptable. There's not enough progression in that kind of thinking in a conversation to help people move forward. So rather than say it was unacceptable or you didn't do a good job or you don't care about me, put it on the arrow. I'd like a little more of this. I'd like this from you in the future. This would help me going forward. So now we're on the arrow with our communication rather than slamming people as either all good or all bad. We want to put our energy on the arrow and encourage people to keep improving. So you've heard in my tone that I'm encouraging improvement. That's what I try to keep my eyes on and what I encourage my clients. Keep your eye on improvement. Improvement isn't one and done. It's every day. It's continuous, right? We never have the day where everything's perfect. We're improving things. And if you're an effective professional, you're engaging people with an improvement tone rather than a judgmental or moralistic tone. In summary, when we're talking about effective communication, we want to give as much attention to our tone, our constructivity, and their receptivity as we do to what it is we want to say. If we're really, really 
massaging or increasing their receptivity by asking permission to have conversations, by respecting the person that they are, by putting them on the arrow, by being positive when we can. People will give us access to have all kinds of very important, direct, and critical um, conversations. Good luck to you. I wish you the best with these skills. If you have follow-up questions or concerns or you feel there's something that I can do for you, feel free to contact me. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lonnie. That was absolutely wonderful. Uh, if you have any questions, please uh, use the contact information on the screen for her. And our team at First Healthcare Compliance is available to you 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please give us a call if you have questions or would like to schedule a quick demo of our software. Thank you so much.